95.5. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Welcome back. I'm Sally Musa here with you until midday with all of the good things that make life beat. Now, the speed with which coronavirus hit has left so many of us in shock and suddenly having to drop plans for months and even years at a time. Work, study, family, relationships have been turned upside down with many of us feeling the grief of loss over what could have been and more unsure than ever before of what the future is going to look like. But my next guest says that this is in fact the perfect opportunity to reimagine our abundant future. Futurist and author John Sane joins me live on video call right now from South Africa. Welcome back to Life Beats, John. Thank you so much, Sally. Wonderful to be in touch with you. It's so great to have you. You right now, uh, you were here in the UAE. Now you're in back in back home in South Africa in the middle of a farm. Tell us about where you are exactly. Well, I mean, I think that that term home is a little bit loose for me. Uh, my home was Dubai. Um, but I mean, all of a sudden, COVID, uh, I saw Italy go into shutdown. I got Spain into shutdown. And I thought, OK, I, I, I guess I want to be with family rather than by myself in Dubai. So I moved to the farm. My parents have a organic avocado farm in the northern mountains of South Africa. So I moved here about uh, two months ago and I've been here ever since. So I've become a quasi-farmer futurist, which is, uh, I don't know, a brand new thing, I think. So yeah, I'm enjoying it. I think it is. I think it is. And and anybody who's uh, taken a look at your social media over the last couple of months is probably very jealous of you right now that you get to to isolate in what looks like heaven on earth. Well, look, I mean, it is, and I'll tell you for a couple of reasons. One, the water we drink comes from a river that's uh, filtered through the forest. So the water is absolutely delicious and pure. The air, I mean, we have no manufacturing, no traffic. So the air is amazing. My mom's cooking, obviously, like all our mom's cooking is just heaven sent. So um, the only thing is I might be getting a little bit tubbier than I expect to (laughs) because my mom's always baking bread and cake and this and that. So, yes, it's heaven on many different levels. I'm having to make sure I go for runs in the forest in the morning just to make sure that I don't leave the farm um, not fitting into my clothes. So, yeah, it's it's fantastic on so many levels. You know, this has been um, really interesting because you and I, we have chats every so often. And in fact, just before the pandemic hit, we were having conversations about what you were going to talk about next on the show and you know, you were very much in a place of redesigning your life at that stage and making sure that you could work from anywhere in the world. Now, did you know what was coming? Like, it's just kind of <laughs> crazy to see, you know, where no, we are now yeah. and what we yeah. were talking about, what you were talking about, in fact. I think, look, I think what COVID has done has brought the future to us much faster than we expected it to. I think 2030 arrived 10 years too early. It's forced us to look at education differently, democratized education, forced us to realize that work is not somewhere we go, but something we do. It's forced us to become Zoom pilots. All of us are now Zoom pilots because now we are able to maneuver our way through a borderless world like we are doing right now with you. So it's forced us to rethink businesses, uh, impact, value, 
all of it just 10 years too early. So and I think that's the shock that's got everybody sort of unnerved because now all of a sudden digital transformation is not a luxury, but a necessity. Necessity to survive, to add value in a brand new way. And not only do we have to take our digital, I mean, our linear businesses and digitize them, because that's kind of the first step. We have to rethink everything that we are doing now because the whole world is now shifted from a supply and demand business world to a brand new couple of new business models that are starting to emerge because of what's going on. And this is the thing, like you said, it isn't just simply about, okay, learning how to use Zoom and just taking the, 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 the business online there. It is about so much more than that. And I think, you know, before we kind of kind of delve into how business has changed, we have changed. You know, yeah. uh, this has impacted in us in ways that many of us have been, you know, really confronted with and have had a lot of trouble dealing with and, and uh, you know, putting a name to even and the emotions that have come out of it. Talk to us about what you sure. have felt and, and what you're seeing yeah. others feeling too. So, look, I think what COVID has done has brought any underlying issues we had within ourselves mm -hmm. up to the surface. Any underlying issues we had in our relationships up to the surface. And any underlying issues we had in our business models has now made that business model just fall over. Now, if we just think about what's happening worldwide, just within ourselves, if we were anxious, we have even more reason to be anxious now. And if we were angry, we have even more reason. And look, ultimately, if we were sick, we could possibly die because our immune systems weren't strong enough for COVID. So we're talking about mortality, not just yeah. in our emotional states, but actually quite literally our, our lives. Mm -hmm. And then you take it all the way up to what's going on in America. Yeah. And then you see that all the underlying stuff have just come to the surface. And if you think about what happens in farms, what happens in farms is, I guess, look, I'm already starting to use farm analogies. How weird. Anyway, so if you look at what happens in farms, is if you use pesticide on a farm, what happens the next season is the weeds come back even stronger. And the reason for that is that the weeds are there to rebalance the soil's um, uh, health. And that's why weeds come out stronger. If you don't spray, the weeds don't come. There's a very different type of weed that comes. So if we think about what's going on in the world, on an emotional level, we sprayed pesticide on our emotions. In other words, we didn't give them the space to breathe. We didn't give the opportunity to deal with trauma from years ago. Because guess what? We were just busy being busy. We had to go and climb that corporate ladder, build that business, find our worth and a new body that we were working on, whatever. Whatever the case was, we were just busy being busy. And so what happened is COVID has made us stop and pause. And trauma is a weird thing because when we are suffering from trauma, we don't often deal with it immediately. It sits within our psyches and our beings and our bodies for years and years and years and years. And until we are in a place of safety or we have time on our hands, do we then start dealing with the trauma? And it's weird because it's delayed reaction. And you might find yourself feeling angry for no reason or very grieving for no reason or sorrowful for no reason. And that's because the trauma has been sitting inside our beings that hasn't been able to come out. So just like a farm that 
needs to recreate its soil to make sure that it's healthy, this virus has not only helped us rethink our immune systems, but our emotional systems, our financial systems, our socioeconomic systems. So this has been a so a powerful reset on so many different levels. And I truly believe it's nature's way of saying, stop, pause, rethink, and rebalance. Because nature always is symbiotic, is always mature and elegant in its way to go about bringing about balance. And so this is what COVID-19 has done to us. And if we take this opportunity to see it like this, like a gift, like something that's been sent from God, to be honest, yeah. to bring about balance, mm. we then can now look at it in an optimistic viewpoint and look at what we can do. I, I, I love what you're saying there about, you know, it, it is coming up to the surface. And interestingly for me, in, in the time that we were in quarantine, um, the 10th anniversary of my dad's passing happened and like in the lead up to that I was just in tears constantly just breaking like in in into just crying crying for no reason I thought it was for no reason and I couldn't work out why and I felt silly about it and like you said these emotions are for all of us coming up in lots of different ways but actually this is the beginning of the healing absolutely there's a fantastic saying that says the longer I sat with my, I asked my, wait, where was it? It's, I sat with my anger long enough until she told me her name was grief. And it's almost as if we have to go through a process of grieving, of anger, to be able to get all the stuff out of us. And I myself, you know, I'm, I'm living in a forest and I go for a run in the forest and I find myself so angry. And I think to myself, What's wrong with you? You're in this most beautiful, serene, right. and you're angry. And I realize that it's stuff that's been sitting inside my body and my brain for years and years and years. And then at other times, I'm grieving just like you. I'm sobbing out of nowhere. So I think it's most important that all the listeners and everybody just give yourself the time to go through the five stages of mourning. Whether you're in denial, in bargaining, in grieving, in anger, doesn't matter. Just go through them. Give them the space. Let them breathe until you can get to a place of radical acceptance. And if you're not in a place of radical acceptance, you'll not see this as an opportunity to reinvent, recalibrate, and refocus your energy into bringing new value into this new world. We're going to take a quick break, John, but I want to come back and talk about emotional fitness. And this is very much, you know, what we're talking about here This is kind of the beginning stages of that. And you have a lot to say when it comes to what we need to have inside of us to actually get through this time, not only get through it, but to really create and grow something amazing out of it. That is coming up with John Sane next here on Life Beats. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. Welcome back to Life Beats. We are in conversation with John Sane, futurist and author, talking about uh, getting through this pandemic, not only surviving it, and uh, very much the emotions that are taking us through it, but how to come out the other side growing stronger. And making something extraordinary, really. This is uh, such an amazing moment, John. And um, I'm loving the conversation that we are having because we've kind of started by talking about the, facing our loss and grief 
And that can actually look like anger, as you were saying. And, you know, where do we need to take these emotions? Because something that you talk about is emotional fitness. And so how do we become those people with emotional fitness? Why is that important, first of all? Yeah, so I think, you know, if, if we just just let's zoom out a bit and let's think about the fact that in the 14th century, there was the Black Death that devastated most of Europe. In that process, it ended feudalism, which was their capitalism. It brought about new agricultural ways uh, and new technologies that were shared. And then the most important thing that came out of the Black Death was the Italian Renaissance. The beginning of us celebrating art and beauty and knowledge. And this was brand new. This was never been celebrated before. So we have to ask ourselves this question is, do you want to be part of the Renaissance or do you want to be stuck in your old stories? And so what we have to realize is, again, like we spoke about earlier, this is just bringing up existing issues that we had in our psyches. And it's forcing us to deal with them, burn them away so that we can become part of the Renaissance. Now, Mm. the emotional aspect of becoming creative, innovative, collaborative, optimistic, these are all based on your perspective. Your perspective is based on the stories you tell yourself and the memories you have. These stories and memories create either a drama in your life or a creator energy in your life. And so we have to realize that emotional fitness is our responsibility in order for us to become optimistic. Optimism is not something that you wake up to one day and go, hey, everything's amazing and here we go. It's fitness. And just like if you wanted to become physical fit, you have to work at it. If you want to become intelligently fit, in other words, getting a degree, that takes work. Guess what? Emotional fitness is exactly the same. So if you go to university and you don't study, you're not fit. You're just you're, you're going to fail. But unfortunately, in our world, nobody puts us into emotional university or emotional school. And so what we have to realize is that if you are feeling anxious, you're unfit. If you're feeling anger you're unfit that's all it means is that you can work towards becoming fitter so that you can have an optimistic viewpoint now if you think about there are two very clear ways we can see ourselves and this future and COVID and all the situations around us one is we see opportunities or two we see problems now if you see problems you're suffering from something called the drama triangle And the drama triangle has got three characteristics in it. And it's important to voice and to become aware of these characteristics. Because if you are suffering from these characteristics, you cannot be part of the Renaissance. And of course, all of us intellectually want to be part of the Renaissance, but our emotions can get in the way. So the three emotions are, number one, victim. Oh, I feel so sorry for myself. Oh, this is all happening to me. Oh, poor me, I lost my future. Oh, poor me, I lost my job. Oh, poor me, I lost my business. Okay, yes, most people in the world are going through poor me. Unfortunately, poor me doesn't propel you into the future. It keeps you stuck in the past. The second thing that you could be doing as a characteristic is feeling sympathy for the world. Now, let me just make sure we all understand that sympathy and empathy are are fundamentally different. Sympathy says... 
I need to find a victim out there to save them because I need to save them. And if I can't save anybody, I'm not worth anything. So I must look, 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 look for people as victims so I can save them. These are saviors, people that sit inside their lounges feeling sorry for the world. Now, I'm Middle Eastern and I know that my aunts are all suffer from savior syndrome. They oh, feel yes. sorry for themselves. Sorry. I think we've mastered it in the in the Middle East. Yeah. Yes. The Middle East are masters of being <laughs> sympathetic to the world. You know, oh my God, these poor people out there, these poor people. Now, the third personality trait or characteristic is anger or the persecutor. So what you do is angry with the place you work at or angry with the government or angry with your uncle or aunt or mom or dad, just angry. Okay. So what you do is you, 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 you ping pong inside this triangle, this victim triangle. You're either feeling angry with the world or you're either feeling sorry for yourself or you're feeling sorry for somebody out there. And guess who does this really, really well is the news cycle. Mm. The news cycle, every time you stop listening to the news, the only three emotions you have are, I feel angry with somebody, I feel sorry for other people, or I feel sorry for myself. Now, these three characteristics can be applied in different aspects of our lives. So, for example, when it comes to money, you could be suffering from drama triangle. Or if it comes to your body, you could be suffering from drama triangle. Or if it comes to your career, you could be. And in other aspects of your life, you could be in the creator triangle. So the creator triangle is the exact opposite. And so the creator triangle has three characteristics. Instead of feeling sorry for yourself and you being a victim, you see opportunities for yourself and you're a creator. So you like look at these things and go, wow, look at all the opportunities that are opening up for me. And Nasib Taleb wrote a great book called Anti-Fragile. And Anti-Fragile explains the concept that if you're fragile, you fall, you break. If you're anti-fragile, you fall, you get stronger. And so you look for opportunities to shine even brighter. The second characteristic is moving from sympathy to empathy. In other words, I don't feel sorry for you. I want to look at building you up. I'm, I want to coach you. I don't want to save you. I want to coach you. Best example I can give you is Oprah. Oprah doesn't feel sorry for women. She empowers women. She's not going, oh, there's all these poor women out there. She's like, okay, how many can I help? Let me go and build a school. Let me go build programs so I can empower. She's coming from a creator energy. And then from anger, we can move to challenge meaning that I want to challenge myself to be better. I want to challenge you to be better. I want to change your energy and my energy through inspiration and not through scolding and not through being angry with you. So if we look at most of the Middle East, people are angry. Angry with what? I don't know. Just because we're angry. We want to be angry. And or we feel sorry for ourselves. Or we feel sorry for other people. And so many cultures around the world have different aspects of these personalities in them. And personally, I, when I started writing my book, Future Now, I started realizing how many places I was in the drama triangle. Right. Like, Where oh were you? God. Where were you in the drama triangle? Interesting. But personal, Sally. But anyway, I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's always a bit embarrassing because you always think to yourself, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm amazing or I'm all good. I'm the master. I know. Ah, I know what this is. I'm, yeah. It doesn't I'm affect perfect. me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I'll tell you where one of them was, was in intimate relationships. And mm. the reason intimate relationships have always been tough for me is that my mom and dad had a terrible, terrible relationship. And my father, bless him, still hasn't really dealt with his stuff. And, 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 and so my idea of an intimate relationship is a place of danger. 
because I remember as a child just how tumultuous their relationship was. So when I get into an intimate relationship, I immediately go into drama because I immediately feel sorry for myself if she's not giving me enough attention or she might have looked at another guy in a certain way or somebody followed her on Instagram or I immediately go, poor me, poor me, poor me. And then I persecute. I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I need to run away. I don't want to be in an intimate relationship. And so I was married and got divorced because I was stuck in a drama triangle. I couldn't see anything out of the drama triangle. So in my intimate relationships, and one of the things that I've discovered on the farm is I really want to be in a relationship again. And I've realized why I've been scared of it because of the drama triangle and becoming aware of those relationships. I mean, those characteristics in my character has given me the opportunity to go, oh, that's what was going on there. I can realize now that it was just a story I was telling myself based on my memories of my parents' relationship. Wow, that's so grow powerful. Up not looking, yeah. No, we, yeah, thank you. But we grow up not looking for love. We grow up looking for familiarity. And we must remember yes. that. Because often our relationships are carbon copies of our parents' relationships. Because you don't because know. Why? You don't know don't what know love that. looks like except for what's yeah. been presented to you. Or exactly. you don't know in any situation what a business looks like or what earning money looks like except for what's yeah. been presented to you. And if you are telling yourself that story, that yeah. is so powerful. I want to come back with you, John. I hold that okay. thought. Because this is going to be now about us moving from that drama triangle to the creator triangle. How do we do that? I agree. There's so much to talk (laughs) about with John Sonny. Keep it here on Pulse95. Pulse95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Sally Musa. Only on Pulse95. We are talking reimagining our abundant future with John Sane and very much talking about working through our emotions, how to move from the drama triangle to the creator triangle, John. This is um, such an important idea that you have just brought up here. And, um, you know, many of us are really stuck in that drama triangle and just feeling like, you know, oh, the, the victim mentality or they are feeling stuck or too sympathetic and so on and so on. How do you, we move from that mentality into one of a creator triangle? Well, look, I think firstly, let's just look how weird it is when you're talking about the future, but you're actually talking about your emotions because right. the irony of preparing for the future is your past and your stories because if you're stuck with your past and your stories you can't create your future so often people say to me but you're a futurist you're talking about emotions i'm like yeah because every time i speak about the future people are even more scared of it so i had to retract and get busy with the emotions first so there's two things that i always say to people when it comes to trying to move from the drama triangle to the creative triangle. the first one is hyper awareness hyper aware that when you feel sympathy, anger, or victimhood, that you become more strict with yourself to not allow yourself to fall into the pattern of victimhood. That's the first thing. Because if you don't have awareness, then you just continue feeling uh, justified in feeling sympathetic, angry, or sorry for yourself. Mm. And guess what happens, unfortunately, is the birds of a feather stick together. And in other words, your circle of friends all all of a sudden become stuck in victimhood as well because that's the energetic vibration you're putting out so the people around you are the same. The second thing, which I think is as important, 
is this concept of clarity before mastery. In other words, what are you trying to achieve in life? What does your future life look like? And what I do is I like to describe who I want to be in the future with as much clarity as possible so that my focus goes on creating where I want to be, who I want to be, and when I want to be, rather than being stuck in my old stories. Now, a great example of this is when we used to go on holidays, we used to be able to describe our next holiday in more detail than we could the future life we wanted to deliver. I call it your victory condition. What does your victory condition look like? In other words, what does your next holiday look like? And everybody stuck in lockdown right now would be saying, I want to be on a beach. I want to be on a mountain. I want to be, I want to be somewhere in nature so I can breathe in that fresh air, et cetera, et cetera. Now, imagine you arrived at the airport and you hadn't booked a ticket. And imagine you arrived at the airport, you didn't have your visa sorted, your bag packed, nothing. So how are you going to this incredible destination without actually being prepared for it? And so if we don't have clarity of who we want to be, where we want to be, and when we want to be, we then get stuck in our old stories. So what do you want to... Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just thinking that there, you know, uh, that is such a great point that we can just completely visualize, you know, our next holiday. And yet when it comes to our lives, where we're going, we're so stuck in one place and we find it hard to move forward. Is, Is it because of a fear that we can't get there? What is stopping us? What is stopping us from achieving that clarity? Um, A lack of self-worth in creating our realities. That's what it is, is that we don't think we're powerful enough in creating a reality. And we don't realize that reality is not happening to us. It's happening through us. Our perspective is what creates our reality. So if you're continuously looking for reasons to be worried or sad, and let's say you had an unfortunate relationship with men when you were younger, All men are dangerous. And if you don't fix that story within your brain and your heart, all men will be dangerous because that's the way our reality is created. An example I often use, which is quite a simple one. Have you ever wanted to buy a new car Mm. and then you start seeing that car everywhere? Yeah. What happened there? You did that. BMW didn't rock up and say, oh, this person wants to buy a 3 Series BMW. I'm just going to pop them everywhere so that you can start seeing them. Right. So we have to realize that we are already architects of our reality. The reality we're living in has been architected by our stories and memories. And so we don't want to take that responsibility of actually choosing the world we want to go into because it's a habit. It's an addiction that we have to feeling sorry for ourselves. Unfortunately, it's a habit. We don't even realize that it is a habit, but we can change those habits and we can change all rituals because you realize that We are made up of moment-by-moment rituals that become habits, that become behaviors, that become our personality. So ultimately, we need to do two things. One, become hyper-aware when you show the characteristics of victimhood and drama triangle. And two, spend more time designing and focusing on where you want to be and who you want to be. The more you put your focus on that, Twice a day, I would recommend write it out, think about it, put yourself in that mindset. The more you do that, the more that starts becoming your reality and you naturally move away from the drama. You know what's interesting? When I interviewed Steve Harvey when he was here in Charger, um, he spoke exactly about that, how just you need to write down exactly what you want for yourself and most people don't do it. And he showed me his phone. His actual wallpaper on his phone is his vision board. 
and it says everything that he wants and he spends that time constantly thinking about and visualizing it. I think a lot of us think, well, that's crazy. You know, I can't do that or I can't achieve this job or I can't be with that type of a person. So where's the disconnect? What, you know, yeah. Yeah. So again, it's just our own lack of self-worth. We don't realize that we are that powerful, you know. Um, look, a lot of people said uh, say that COVID is like in a movie, right? And so many people have referenced so many movies that we're now living in, right? right? If you think about the word television and break it down, what does it break down to? I tell you my vision, television. And so what we do is we in, we bringing all this vision of somebody else into our reality, and then we start seeing it in our actual reality. Mm. And so we we've got to realize that this vision, this television, our imagination, is a gift from God. It's our gift to rethink and to reimagine the world that we want to be in. That's why my second book, uh, Future How, the the the, pay, the payoff line is reimagining our collective future. Because it is up to us to rethink it and reimagine it. It's a great saying that says you can't predict the future. So if you can't predict the future, the only way to do it is create the future. Because the future is not set in stone. It's for you to actually create it and walk into it. And a lot of people, you know, you guys don't know me. Like when I say you guys, you Sally and people in Dubai don't know me as the restauranteur in my 20s. And a lot of people in South Africa know me and they're like, how the hell did you go from being a restauranteur to this global speaker and working with governments. And I'm like, I thought it, I practiced it, I realized it, I reimagined it, and I put myself onto that stage and into those places. And now it's becoming my reality. And you've now met me in this new reality. But my friends from 20 years ago are like, how did that happen, John? You went from that to that. So yeah, I've been practicing it myself, you know, and I do it continuously. And, and we were telling you offline is I meditate twice a day, I put myself into that state twice a day so that I can move towards that state and let go of my past stories. We've got a question that's come in, so I'm going to put that to you. We're going to continue the conversation next with John Sane right here on Life Beats on Pulse95. You're, You're listening, listening to Pulse95. Pulse95. 95. This is Life Beats. Life Beats. With Sally Musa. Sally Musa. Only on Pulse 95. Pulse 95. I feel like it's a conversation that has moved at the speed of light. Uh, as fast as the, f- the future is coming at us, John Sane. Uh, we are talking how to reimagine our abundant future. And so let's kind of get to that. Let's talk about what does the future hold you said we are the architects of this future so how do we embrace it how do we embrace that and how do we create these exciting possibilities that await us even at a time like this it's very hard to see that there are opportunities but there are so i think let's again let's zoom out and let's look at the world from a eagle's point of view For the last 150 years or so, we have been in the the, the sort of equation of the Industrial Revolution. Mm. And the equation of the Industrial Revolution was quite clear. You need to be as efficient and productive and profitable at all costs. You should grow consistently. And so for the last 150 years, the world has been on this incredible mission to be as productive, efficient, profitable, and grow as much as they possibly could. 
Initially, what happened was we were in factory lines. And those factory lines, that equation then got projected onto corporations. Now, what happened was in order to get people ready for the industrial revolution business model, we created school with subjects and then we created universities with degrees. These degrees were there for you to adopt a way of thinking that could get you to be beneficial in the industrial revolution equation. But guess what? The industrial revolution is almost over because efficiency and productivity do not make you successful in this new world. Adaptability and curiosity make you successful in this new world. So if you have trained very hard to be a fantastic superstar in the industrial revolution world, meaning that you have a degree, that you have been studying really hard and working your way up the corporate ladder, I have slightly bad news for you. The rules of the game have changed. And it's almost like saying to Serena Williams, look, you're fantastic at tennis, but the next time you come to Wimbledon, we're going to be using a rugby ball and you can use your feet and a tennis racket. It's like, hang on a second, no, no, no. I've been training for tennis my whole life. Yes, yes, we understand, darling, and we know you're brilliant at tennis, but the rules have changed because the world is moving on into a new world. So if we just stop and pause and realize that when we move from the agricultural times to the industrial times, people felt the same terrible emotions of feeling useless because my whole generation, my father's generation and his father's generation taught me how to farm. I know the soil, I know plants, I know agricultural stuff. And then all of a sudden the industrial revolution arrived. All of a sudden your agricultural skills weren't as important as you becoming an accountant or you working in a factory line. And so here we are today in this transition phase from industrial to quantum where we are moving towards, I don't believe we're moving to the fourth industrial revolution. I believe we're moving to the world's first dematerialization evolution. So where we're going is not industrial and it's not a revolution. Where we're going is a digital dematerialization of our realities. And in this new world, we have to adopt new skills. And these new skills have to be based on curiosity, uniqueness, and authenticity, not sameness, surplus and cleverness, which is what we've come to. Because remember, you can be an excellent accountant, but guess how many others there are? Millions. And if you don't like your job, move out the way because there's 15 people behind you waiting for your job. And so it's not that you've done anything wrong. We just have to realize that when there's too much of something, it becomes commoditized. So we are now commoditized with doctors, lawyers, engineers, and all these degrees from universities. Why? Because the whole world is now studying the same 10 sort of uh, skill sets that the Industrial Revolution put out there. So now we have millions and millions and millions and millions of lawyers and accountants, and guess what? 200 million jobs are being lost because of COVID. Why? Because corporations can't keep up with the changing dynamics, which means they can't keep employing you. So we've arrived at an era I'm calling forced entrepreneurship. You're now being forced to step up and network yourself into the world because the old way has broken down. And the quicker you can adopt and adapt and accept that, the quicker and better for you, rather than feeling sorry that all the work that you've done as an accountant is now useless. Because unfortunately, even the biggest companies in the world are letting people go. This is just so important right now. So using all of that to move beyond it, but finding what makes us unique. So how do you do that where 
Coming close to the end of the show, we do have a couple of questions that have come in for you, John. But how do you do that? How do you start that work of finding what makes you unique and harnessing that power? So education and the Industrial Revolution required us to get rid of our curiosity and follow everybody else in the class. Now, I'm an incredibly bright person, but I was terrible at school. Terrible. I got expelled. I was always naughty. I was always, why? Because my brain doesn't work in the way school needed me to work. Yeah. So I was classified as a rebel, a stupid kid, whatever the case was, because I didn't, didn't fit, fit into that mold. I, yeah. And a lot of people didn't fit. And that's why entrepreneurship, most people that are entrepreneurs weren't really that good at school. So what we have to realize is that uniqueness is brought about by curiosity. And if you spend time diving deep into what makes you most excited, what makes you most curious, time disappears. And when time disappears, you're so enthralled in your subject that when you come out of it on the other side, you become a specialist because nobody else has got your curiosity. Nobody in the whole world. And the best example I can give you is me is I've never been to university because I just didn't fit into that. But now I lecture at universities. And the reason for that is, is that my curiosity and my fascination is a combination that nobody else combines. I don't know anybody else that combines human psychology, neuroscience, futurism, and business strategy. Mm. And guess what? Because of my uniqueness, I get to speak to around people around the world, to governments and major organizations because of my unique perspective. Now, everybody has a unique perspective. And in the world of the internet, all you have to do is get 0.001% of the 5 billion people on the internet to pay you $1 a month. And you can live a very, very comfortable life working from anywhere in the world, selling your skill, whether it's a baker, a gardener, a teacher, a law professor, you can do whatever you want, but your angle, your curiosity, and what God has given you as a gift through your heart which is your excitement, is what the world's going to be celebrating post-COVID-19. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We've actually run out of time, John. I have to let you go. What I'm going to do with you, though, uh, for those people who did actually send in questions relevant to this discussion, and there have been questions coming in for you, we're going to talk about these on Instagram, and I'm going to post these online for people so that they can benefit more from this discussion because I feel like sure. this is not the end of it definitely not there's a lot more to discuss yeah. with you but I want to thank you so look, much John every, every show I'm on I always say look follow me on Instagram I'll try and answer as many questions on there as possible so yeah I engage a lot on there so I'll see you on Instagram and thank you so much Sally for having me on this is Pulse 95 tune in live every weekday from 10am